Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I'm pumped to be here kicking it with you all in the diner, y'all. Hope you're having a great day. Hope everything is going well for you. I hope you're excited to eat a little bit of food, have a little conversation, and get curious together. I'm excited because, speaking of getting curious, I have never met my guest before. I talked to her about three minutes ago for the first time. We have emailed, and I love and respect when people just shoot their shot. And this dude just bombarded into my email inbox. He just sent me one email. And and said, hey, I want to be on your show. I like what you're doing. And I said, hey good enough. Let's go. (laughs) And so that's pretty much what happened. I did very little research on him uh, on the front end uh, because I'm just excited to talk to somebody new. You know, you you all get to hang out with me and some good friends of mine on this show. Uh, But I think it's also fun to just flex our curiosity and have an open mind and also applaud people who shoot their shot. So uh, let me tell you about my guy coming out here in just a hot second. His name is Brandon Fong. He's a husband to his high school sweetheart. Insert the all sound right now. Um, <laughs> her name is Leah and is on uh, Brandon's on the mission to create a more deeply connected world. While growing up on government provided free lunch program at school, Brandon realized that his most valuable resource wasn't money. It was his relationships. That is why, at his core, Brandon is a connector of people, ideas, and resources. He's got an incredible podcast. It's in the top 2% of podcasts, much like Diner Talks with James. Um, It's called Seven Figure Millennials. And he is doing incredible work on there, interviewing elite performers with eclectic backgrounds, people like Olympians, an illusionist, decorated air fighter pilots, hypnotists, and a whole bunch of other cool individuals on his podcast, entrepreneurs that are making seven, eight, and even nine figure salaries. Pretty impressive. Uh, so I'm really excited to get to know what he knows and what he has learned from some of these folks and also hear about his magic connection method system. So, uh, I'm excited for you to hang out. Looks like based on his bio, he's going to pull up with a kombucha right now. And later we're going to play a little spike ball. I'm down for it all y'all. And I'm down to meet Brandon. I'm excited for you to meet him right now. Let's bring him out. Brandon Fong. Man, what an introduction. Super excited to be here, James. And yeah, we'll have to play some spike ball with kombucha. It'll be a first for me as well. So I don't know if that's something that you'd be down for, but I'm, I'm down for trying it. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure. And I'm, uh, I'll figure it out for sure. I'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> spike ball, spike ball, a lovely shark tank um, game that really blew the heck up. Yeah, I, I found out about it just two years ago and I played for the first time and I just 
fell in love. So I'm very quick to become obsessed with things. My wife made fun of me because a few days after I played it, I was literally like YouTubing spike ball strategies and taking notes. And she's like, who the hell is this guy? She like sent a Snapchat to her friend, like, look at this dude taking notes on how to serve spike ball and that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, a lot of fun. And I, I play once or twice a week with some good buddies. So it, it's a good time. That's amazing. You're even repping the spike ball yellow right now with your t-shirt on. Uh, <laughs> Got to stay on brand out here, Brandon. I like it. Uh, brother, I'm, I'm pumped to meet you. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for shooting your shot. Why not? Uh, and uh, I know I'm not exactly some high-level crazy podcast, but uh, I still appreciate you reaching out and wanting to be on the show, man. It means, it means a lot to me that you took interest and wanted to be a part of it. Dude, I, I'm so excited because I've listened to a bunch of episodes and I love your style. Like, seriously, I have a lot to learn from you. So I'm excited to go back and forth because like, I love the way how you make guests so comfortable. Obviously it comes from some of your improv background, tying in some stuff. I took an improv class recently, so I'm here to, to have a good time and, and learn from you as well, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. You did. You said you took an improv. You said you went to a comedy sports uh, and took took some improv stuff there. Improv is one of those things that I believe everybody needs to take a class in. It makes us better communicators. Really. And by better communicators, what I mean is better listeners. Um, It also makes us more supportive. We, we celebrate the ideas we create together instead of just individual ideas. Um, And uh, it's just, it's just a great way to approach life. And I'm obviously wildly biased because I've been doing it since 2004, but you just took your first class. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid, Brandon? I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I I had a, well, first of all, it was like a great opportunity to bond with my wife. Like we wanted a cool activity to do and yeah. meet some new people and completely step out of our comfort zones. It was so cool seeing Leah warm up to it because it, it, the, the show ended with a, a showcase at the end, obviously. You take mm-hmm. the class and Leah's like, I'm not inviting anyone. No one is ever going to find out about this. <laughs> and then by the, by the end of the week, like I think she invited like 25 people or some crazy shit like that. We had like, we had an incredible time and it's been it's been cool to see it apply and I, I want to continue to do classes, but just the, like you said, the listening it requires and the presence it requires mm-hmm. and the, the yes ending and not, not ending anything. It's just been uh, a really cool thing that I think has impacted me in many ways and I'm still seeing the benefits of it. So I, I, I'm excited to see a little bit too about how you've implemented that in other areas of your life as somebody that's been doing it for over 16 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> hell yeah dude hell yeah that's first off i love leah um going from uh, no one ever will see this this will be buried <laughs> in the catacombs <laughs> exactly <laughs> to 30 people are coming out and we're gonna have a barbecue afterwards yeah uh, that's that's an amazing transition now uh, and uh, yeah and i uh I agree with you, ma'am. I think, you know, the philosophy of yes and is a philosophy, especially as, you know, you do a lot of work with entrepreneurs um, and and entrepreneurs and, and really business owners, leaders, when they adapt a yes and mindset, it keeps the blinders off to, mm-hmm. you know, it keeps the blinders that would halt innovation, halt opportunity, halt uh, asking questions as opposed to just needing to know answers. Um, and, and so it is, it's a cool mindset for people to adapt as they're growing something, right. Being open to new ideas. Um, and it's not to say that we need to lose focus, right? Like every scene that you came into in an improv scene, it needs to have direction. Um, it needs to have direction, but it also needs to be fluid. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think when we apply that rule of yes, and, 
to difficult situations, hard conversations, or decision-making, it kind of turns us into like Neo from the Matrix, where we're like doing that crazy spin thing away from the bullshit and the bullets. Um, <laughs> and right, it just kind of lets, it slows everything down um, and allows us to take it one by one, each opportunity by each opportunity, and figure out if it's right for us. Um, and for so sure. I think, yeah, I agree with you, brother. Uh, it's got, it keeps you on your toes. I, we did, I don't know if you did a game like this. We played a game called Countdown where you basically you do a scene in two minutes and then they make you repeat the same scene in one minute. And then you have to repeat the whole scene in 30 seconds, then in 15 yeah. seconds. And that came across in our showcase. And it's like, it's, it's a, it was such a great mindfulness presence thing. Cause it's like, you don't know where your partners are going to toss you. So like we ended up doing this hilarious scene about uh, a, an, an award-winning beef jerky recipe. And we had to go to the, <laughs> we had, we had to go to the top of a mountain infested with ogres to claim the beef jerky <laughs> recipe and bring it back it's just like what like there's no way that that could ever come up if it weren't for just people being playful and and building off of each other and i love the parallels too like like you just said with podcasting i love to hear about how you've been able to kind of as you interview more people i feel like it gives you more yes anding material like like as you interview people like you can build on things in new ways like the deeper and more curious you are i know you have lots of curiosity too so i've just noticed that as a parallel is like my yes anding ability increases with every guest that i get a chance to interact with yeah brother i love that that's amazing uh yeah it's it's cool the way it shows up in so many of these different facets um <clears throat> and uh that scene sounds like it was incredible improv is one of those <laughs> things where it's like you really had to be there um but i'm gonna try to describe it to you anyway because it was that absurd right exactly um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and speaking of beef jerky, brother, you know, we're in the diner. And, and mm. one question I always love to say, Brandon, is that if we were if we were able to meet, I know you're down in Wisconsin right now. Um, I don't know if that's where you're born and raised, but we'll get to that. But, um, you know, if we were able to meet up and have a late night conversation, those conversations that are that are with the friends we never want to leave over the food we shouldn't be eating. What what is your favorite late night guilty eating pleasure? I don't know if I, I thought long and hard about this. I was like, maybe I'll pull up, maybe let me go pull up a menu and see what I would actually order. Cause I'm like, I don't know what my gut would be, but here's where I'm at right now. I'll tell you where I'm at right now. I would love a BLT, a BLT, mm. um, or, or a burger. I, I put lots of, I put food on my ketchup. <laughs> so, 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 so a side of ketchup. Uh, with some fries would be great too. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. BLT with that thick cut bacon, right? Oh, uh, crispy. That's my main. Crispy, crispy that's the main bacon. criteria. I don't like yeah. the the bacon that's still got like all the little fat on it. It needs to be kind of like crunchy and all that good stuff. That's the criteria of a good BLT for me. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, for sure. You got to have a little texture in the middle there. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I love the what, what? Say the phrase again with about the ketchup. Your your food like. Put some food on my ketchup. <laughs> Put some food on my ketchup. That reminds me of my Uncle Tom. Um, whenever we would go, and I, this is a practice that I now practice. Whenever you go to, uh, back when fast food restaurants used to give out trays and you would take the tray away, um, <clears throat> I would, uh, you know, they had those little dinky like paper oh, uh, yeah. ketchup cups. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I wouldn't use that. I would just literally just squirt a puddle of ketchup on the tray, um, on the paper on, on the tray. I'm not a oh, savage. I was going to say, that's gross, man. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't washed. That was washed the day the restaurant opened. Yeah, no, on the paper, on the tray. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm still somewhat classy, Brandon. Um, but yeah, so uh, I also I also love some good ketchup and a great burger. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, the, the other secret, oh, let me add this. So there's two ways you can do this from my, as my experience as a ketchup uh, fiend. One, you can use a lid from a cup. 
Uh, so mm. instead of instead of that, uh, that was one that I used. Or you can take those dinky little paper things and you can kind of unfold the top of it. And then instead of it becoming a little cup, it becomes more of a like a paper disc that provides oh. more surface surface area. So yeah. uh, the next time you're looking, if you if you don't want to put it on your tray or if you, they didn't give you things, yeah. there you go. You have another strategy. <laughs> if y'all thought you were coming to the diner today and not getting pro tips from Brandon Fong, you lost your damn mind. Okay. Yeah, exactly. this- <laughs> Game changer right there. Just changing people's changer. lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it, brother. So I know you live just outside of Milwaukee right now. Are you born and raised in Wisconsin? I am. Yeah. My parents live 10 minutes away from where we're at right now. My in-laws are 15 minutes away. And so uh, went to school at University of Wisconsin Whitewater about 45 minutes away and mm-hmm. spent a full year traveling though. So we, we've been to 23 countries. So I've been all over the place, but uh, loved it. Family is very important to us. So it's really cool to spend some time with the people that we love. That's beautiful, brother. That's beautiful. And if, if you don't mind me asking, what what is your what's your background? What's your ethnic makeup? Okay, so I I took a twenty three in me, uh, so I could give you like the the specific. Actually, I'm not even gonna remember the specific <laughs> examples, but I'm like like slightly under fifty percent Chinese, and then mm-hmm. I got some Slovenian and German and uh, a, a strange kind of mix there. So I'm a mutt. I'm for sure yeah. a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Is the is the uh, Chinese from one of your parents in particular? Yeah, it's from my dad. Um, and they my I, it's funny, because as a podcaster, I had a here's a here's a fun thing for other people to do, I would encourage people to do this is interview your grandparents or your parents if they're still alive. I did it not to do it to publish it on my show. But I'm like, I just want to know where the hell I came from, you know, so yeah. I sat down with my grandma. Uh, so I have, I have my grandma's still alive on my mom's side, my grandpa passed on that side. And my grandpa, uh, and, and my my uh, she's not my grandmother by birth, because my grandmother that that made no sense. I, I won't get into my family tree here, but basically I interviewed both sides and it was really cool. But my grandpa came from a place called Tai Shan and they, they're kind of like the hillbillies of China. So like that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. to learn a little bit about that background, but I, I, it was a fun exercise. I would encourage anybody if you want to document for future generations, I just thought it'd be super cool if I could listen to my dad having a conversation with his, my great grandpa, you know? So I decided to do that. So I would encourage anybody to do that if you have an opportunity to. Man, that's a beautiful idea. That's an absolutely beautiful idea. I've actually thought about, I want to have my parents on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> they just don't have the technology. So I got to bring it, I got to fly to New York and handle it that way. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll get it done for sure. But I think just in general, um, recording uh, recording some of those words to have um, is is incredible. And yes, on top of that is is story building for ourselves, right? What's, mm-hmm. what's the foundation? Where do we come from? Um, and so, uh, yeah, but what a cool idea, man. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I interviewed someone recently on my show. Uh, his name is Jorge Contreras. Uh, there's using some of my Spanish there, but like he, mm-hmm. he grew up, um, he describes it as like a fish doesn't know it's swimming in water his water quote unquote was drugs. And he started drug dealing when he was seven years old. He helped smuggle people across the border when he was 10, you know, just didn't even know what was going on. And he calls it ancestral karma. Cause it's mm. like his dad didn't know any better. His grandpa didn't know any better. And it's like, when you don't realize the water you're swimming in, sometimes it's super valuable to unpeel that onion, but you have to first become consciously aware of it. One of the quotes that comes up on my show all the time is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. Uh, and that's, I know I've just dropped some, some <laughs> philosophy is boom, here we are. And now we're talking I about, philosophy. That. but, but um, I think it's so true. Cause it's like, we all have these unconscious narratives 
that are hanging around in the back of our head that we don't know if we're reenacting it. And it may have been passed on to us from previous generations. And until you do that work, um, it's really hard to figure out what's yours. The way that yeah. Jorge described it is like iOS on your iPhone. You know, it's like, you, like some, maybe your iPhone is, you're still running on the, the version of iOS from when the iPhone came out. It's like, because that's the programming that you had. So you have to be conscious about making those upgrades and seeing what beliefs uh, you want to keep, what you want to get rid of. But I think that having that insight is really valuable no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Can you, can you drop that quote for me one more time, brother? Cause yeah, that, was, yeah. that was, that was a little, it was, it was a little deep, so deep. I need to hear it twice. You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those ones you got to chew on for a minute. Yeah, it took me a minute to it, it, it took me a minute to digest it. And now that I've done it's like my favorite quote. But until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. That's Carl Jung. Um, so I just mm. think that, you know, it's just a pattern that I've seen in interviewing the people that have come on my show. It's like zero to seven are those formative formative years, or maybe zero to eight. It depends on who you're who you're talking to. But like those early imprints that we have are just so deeply ground in what we do and yeah. like I, I don't know if you're familiar with like there's like a four stages of learning um but like the, the one of the one of the i won't go into it i i can if you want me to but like one of the earliest stages of learning is like unconscious incompetence which means you don't even realize what there is to know because you don't even know about it right and like so if unless you've taken the time to like at least explore that or talk to your parents or figure out <clears throat> what some of those beliefs are you can't step to the next stage of learning which is conscious incompetence where it's like mm -hmm. you have to it's like the kid just kind of like barely being able to tie his shoe but like he's like now he's aware that he can tie your shoe so it's like it's making that that step um so yeah anyways you just sent me off on a on a diet that's there, and I don't cool know, I, don't know, I don't know how i ended up there <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy wherever we are i'm happy we're here uh you know it's funny as a as a new parent you know i have a <clears throat> i have a 16 no 17 month year old math is hard month um, year old. and that's awesome. yeah month year old yeah no for sure yeah no he's fresh <laughs> fresh fresh out here um the uh, fresh out the oven <laughs> exactly uh it is it's interesting to start to watch some of those synapses connect yeah connect and just you know he's learning little words or you're repeating he's repeating just little things here and there um and it is uh, he doesn't know why he's doing it yet, um, right, or anything like that. But it's just, it's just, it's really cool to watch some of those connections start to happen, and and just watch him light up or get really frustrated, whatever, right? Like he's the mm -hmm. whole the whole range of emotions are happening in the Robolata household at any moment, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I love I love what you said. Um, also, in, in going back to some of those uh, the conversations that you've been having, some of the theories you've been talking about, you know that zero through eight is such a, a powerful mm -hmm. time in our lives. Um, and in you know in your intro, uh, we talked about how I know that you grew up in the in the free lunch program at school. This is something you talk very openly about mm -hmm. on sevenfiguremillennials.com, uh, your website and stuff like that. And it, but Tell me, I'd love to hear from your own words, brother. Tell me about, you know, what, what was young Brandon like? What, 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 tell me about your youth a little bit. Yeah. Well, zero to eight, I don't. So um, if I were to own a restaurant, I'd be like a fifth generation restaurant owner or something. So like that was tying, tying, I'm going to go all over here, but I'll promise I'll, I'll get, I'll get back to where we're going. <laughs> when I interviewed, like when I interviewed my dad and found out about like a little bit about my dad's history, it's like he grew up in a restaurant and they forgot about his ninth birthday because they opened the restaurant when he was nine years old and so when i was growing up my youth was i was watching my dad grow his restaurant i was the little kid behind the counter 
that was not supposed to be up in front of the guests and that kind of stuff. So it's it like <laughs> put me in the back with the VHS. We used to watch some some rad Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, like the the action, like the the Ninja Turtles that were in the the live action ones. So, anyways, that's what we did in the back there. But that was what I did growing up. And then I guess I didn't really realize that we didn't have like financial resources until around like middle school. That was kind of like when it set in uh, because it's like, we went to a relatively wealthy school district. Um, My parents opened and enrolled me to, because technically we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gone there, but like the the school district I ended up going to was one of the wealthiest school districts, one of the wealthiest zip codes around. And so um, we weren't like, like, this is not like we weren't, in poverty like it wasn't like like scrapping for food and that kind of stuff but yeah we were we were on government help and that kind of stuff and it was i was one of the few kids in that school that that was on that free lunch program Mm -hmm. and so the story that i tell on my site it's like i would go through the lunch line and that would be my least favorite part of the entire day because when i would go through at least when i went to school there's like these little digital um like a uh, place where you enter in your student ID and mm-hmm. I'd be sitting and waiting in line and my heart would get beating faster and faster and faster. Cause like one friend would go through and they type in their ID and it would show $5. And the next one would be, he would get a few extra desserts. So it'd be $7. And then I type in my ID one, five, six, four, zero, three. We'll never forget it. And up on the screen, it would show $0 and zero cents free lunch program reduced or whatever the heck it said in my name next to it. And so I came up with all these creative ways of like distracting my friends from seeing, <laughs> seeing that screen. So yeah. there was the, there was the hide in the bathroom strategy, <laughs> which was like, you know, I waited for all my friends to go through the lunch line first. And then I would go through when there was no one left in the line. And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Or there was the um, let me distract you and strike up a conversation right when it's about my time to type in the, the ID number. And then yeah. we just have this really, <laughs> you know, so it was, it uh-huh. was embarrassing, but I, but I'm very grateful for that. And I really am. And this comes from me doing lots of processing on my past, but I honest to God, uh, wouldn't change anything. And I have the world's most incredible parents, like, yeah. like the best parents ever. Uh, and they, they showed me some incredible things and I, I can go into all that kind of stuff, but that was a little bit about, uh, that particular instance, but I had a great childhood. I, I had a mom that, that raised my brother and I, we were always doing really fun stuff in the summertime. I got to watch my parents work on growing a business. So like, that's where I kind of got some of the earlier entrepreneurial drive is like, I feel yeah. like as a kid, I took the responsibility to want to help my parents grow their business as like a 10 year old, because mm-hmm. it's like, I wanted to support that. And maybe that's kind of where I put some of the weight on myself. So anyways, I'll shut up for a little bit, but that's a little bit, <laughs> that's a little bit about the, the, the earlier years. Yeah, brother. Thanks for sharing that story. Uh, and I, I love, uh, I love hearing it. it just it, those formative, you know, you talk about those interest when you were talking about like the zero through eight years, when I think about the formative years, I guess I don't consciously know what I learned and held on to from zero to eight, but you know, there's a lot, right. Mm-hmm. But what the things that I consciously know and hold on to are the things that happened after that from like 10 to 18 right <clears throat> as far as like those middle school years now uh, those high school years where a lot of insecurities came up yeah. and I started to write stories about myself and uh and, and those and those kind of moments and so I appreciate you bringing it to, to middle school in that way as that being a very very memorable moment for you have you have you <clears throat> like do you still do you happen to have like some of your grade school yearbooks or like access to any of those things or no uh I don't I might I, I could talk to my moms about it. See, 
I'd be curious, like, I like, like to see, cause you might not remember them, but like, if you just did a little bit of digging, like if you remember the names of your, your teachers, sure, like who's do, your yeah. first grade teacher, second grade, like you'd be surprised. Like if you start just journaling, like this is something that happened in first grade. This is something that happened in second grade. Mm -hmm. Like you, like when I started doing that, it was like, oh, here's this bundle of stuff that I didn't even realize was there. But because like, when are you thinking about your second grade classroom outside of like the really random things? But yeah. I found that if I had like a focused time to examine that stuff, I found some really interesting things that, um, that I, I see as recurring patterns in my life now. So I don't yeah. know, interesting thing for you to explore maybe if you haven't. One thing that did happen in, in relation to, to that is uh, my parents moved out of the house that I grew up in, right? So they, they were in that house for 35, 38, somewhere in their years. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's the house that I literally moved. We moved in a month after I was born. Um, and so it is, uh, it was, you know, it's an emotional moment of, of taking everything out of that house and seeing it empty and being like, wow. Mm -hmm. But then knowing that another family will come in there and memories will be made. Um, turns out they just sold it. Somebody flipped it six months later, but that's fine. That happens too. Um, but still, uh, one thing that we found during all that, one thing we found were, were my old report cards, mm. um, from elementary school. And so reading some of the teacher feedback, you definitely do see some of those patterns for sure. Um, still dashingly witty, Brandon, is uh, oh, what of I course. learned. You know. Of course. Um, <laughs> what, stuck, what stuck out to you? Do you? Is there something that stuck out to you that you're like, wow, that like I didn't even didn't even realize that I was like that or I had that pattern. Was there something that stuck out to you? Uh, no, I think it was more validating than, than as far as like, wow, that's crazy. Right. Like it was, there are things that I remember of, as far as like being the kid who talked a lot, being the kid who's always making the jokes, even when it wasn't time to make the jokes. Um, yeah. And, uh, but also uh, I guess some, some interesting things were like, he's very helpful. He's very kind. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Like, yes, yes. He's a, he's a wise ass, but he's not an ill spirited, you know, pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, he just, the kid just likes himself a joke and he knows he's funny. Um, yeah. And uh, so, so I think some of those kind of things of just the foundations of being, I guess it's something that I don't want to say it surprised me, but it's just kind of cool to read about you at that age of like, you could tell this kid's good, a good kid right he's, he's yeah. a nice a nice young boy um yeah. right like <laughs> well look here you are man like you found a way to bring that back into your life and i think that that's the greatest thing that we're all looking for is alignment right like it's like you are i mean correct me if i'm wrong but you doing this podcast you doing improv you getting to speak on stages you found a way to be in alignment with that kid that was always you know wanting to express himself that way and i think that that's really where lots of happiness and fulfillment lies is like when you are misaligned with who you were that's like where you're kind of like man what the heck so like i i'm deeply introspective it's so like i always do journaling on this kind of stuff but i just like just reflecting that back at you i think that's really cool that you saw that early stuff and you have been able to create a life where you're you leverage some of those early seeds of genius quote unquote that mm -hmm. you had as a kid that's awesome <laughs> we out here brother uh we're certainly trying and i appreciate that man that's a cool it is a cool connection and i appreciate you making reflect uh, making me reflect in that way uh that's uh that's a beautiful thing to do uh it is it, it's it's interesting hearing 
the tales of when you were younger, how, you know, you were working in the restaurant, you were watching your dad build this business and mom was at home taking care of you and your brother being a badass mom. Um, and it is, uh, I love, I love that obviously you drew the connection as an introspective man. And also the, the dots aren't that far apart of, I watched my dad be an entrepreneur. And so entrepreneurship was fascinating to me, but growing up, you know, growing up, you weren't like, I can't wait to start a podcast and, and talk to entrepreneurs and stuff like that, right? Like, that's not the dream of a of a 12-year-old or whatnot. What did, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were younger? Well, it's funny you say that because, like, I, here's my one of my memories. Very specifically, I'll say third or fourth. Here I say very specifically, and then I'm like, third or fourth grade. So I don't know. But um, <laughs> the the I used to love uh, talking to one of the lunch supervisors. Her name was Mrs. Dunn. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just like, I don't know what it was, but I always loved having adult conversations, quote unquote, adult conversations. Like yeah. they were always more interesting to me than the kid conversations. Mm -hmm. So like all my friends would be playing kickball and I would be talking to Mrs. Dunn or my parents <laughs> kind of had a re revolving door, uh, at our house. Cause it's like, they were growing a business. So they had lots of other people that were around. And it's like, I love those conversations. Like I love talking to them and, 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 and having those kinds of things. So like, it's funny that you say, like reflecting back on that, it's like, I like having cool conversations like this, sitting at a diner with mm -hmm. you, like these are, this is the thing that I've always lived for, you know? And so growing up, like, I think I, I always, I don't, I can't remember when I didn't ever want to be an entrepreneur or like start something of my own. I think it was mm -hmm. just because it was so ingrained. I didn't know anything else, but my first business venture was a rock stand. <laughs> like all my, all my other, you know, it's like kids do lemonade stands or whatever. Yeah. My neighbor, Jimmy and I, we had a, I don't know if you remember these James or if you ever saw one, but it was like, it, it, it was like a, um, they call them rock tumblers. It was like you put in these like rocks and like it, it, like there was some polish or whatever and it kind of like went over and over and it made this terrible grinding noise and it had to go on for several hours. But at the end, you got these kind of like polished rocks. Um, and so we, we, we had a rock stand and that was I think I had this picture my mom sent. Uh, I found it a while ago, but it's like Brandon's first one dollar and twenty five cents. Maybe my mom bought the rock. I don't even yeah. know. But, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I've always. I've always wanted to create um, and be a creator and, and do cool things in, in the world. And so um, I think that is what I wanted to be was when I was, when I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, that's so cool. Uh, the rock stand. I like it, brother. Uh, just out here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of some geology puns right here, but all the ones <laughs> I'm thinking of are too nice. Uh, that's a rock pun in case you're thinking that's a deep cut for a geology joke. <laughs> Talking about nice G N <laughs> e i s s nice um <laughs> so um but either way man that's uh that's amazing uh, and i love that you're first and you're like i see these lemonade fools but like what i know is differentiation sells and so i'm not <laughs> opening up another lemonade stand right like we got too many right <laughs> so exactly <laughs> uh that's amazing so so at that early at that earlier age when you did know that you wanted to create something that you could call your own um, and you wanted to uh, be able to stand on your own two feet uh, on your own ideas, not necessarily somebody else's. Um, it is, uh, we talked about that being a really fascinating time of our lives where you're self-conscious about going through the lunch stand um, mm -hmm. and uh, the lunch in uh, the cafeteria. <clears throat> and uh, so there's some self-consciousness there, but at the same time, you're a deeply introspective and observant, um, observant child at that time. Uh, you know, I'm wondering 
when you started decided to go to college, like, you know, what did you, what did you decide to study? And, you know, what were, what were some of the things that were going on in your brain in that time that were, uh, that were transformative? You know, you met, you met your high school sweetheart in that moment, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So ironically, University of Wisconsin Whitewater had a entrepreneurship program. So that is literally what I decided to major in was they had an entrepreneurship. That's incredible. Which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hilarious looking at it. It's like, I mean, yeah, you could study the theory and stuff like that. But like, I was not to, I learned so much from Whitewater, but I was learning so much more from my laptop in the back of the classroom, if I'm being completely honest, because I was just like learning other stuff. But I think it was more about the other kinds of people that would enroll in the entrepreneurship program. Like that, like that was what was really valuable. But yeah, I started with entrepreneurship, um, realized I had enough carryover to add on marketing. So I double majored in entrepreneurship and marketing with a minor in Spanish um, because I was able to complete lots of my Spanish degree actually in high school. My mom was a Spanish teacher. So like my, I actually grew up speaking Spanish because my mom used to speak Spanish to me. And so mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty cool there. But yeah, I think what was cool about my college degree though um, was I always viewed leveraging opportunities non-traditionally like i i used to i came up with this concept in high school um after a mentor kind of helped me out but i call it the cute student card because like if you can show that you're an ambitious young student what ceo what high level person doesn't want to help out a a a quote-unquote cute student you know like Mm -hmm. and especially if you're being grateful you're reaching out and then you're showing that you're implementing what they're talking about. That's how I was able to start getting connected to really high level people starting at age 16, actually before college when my mentor helped me out with it. Um, And I can, I can dive into that if you want, but, but that was really about my college experience was uh, figuring out ways to leverage my experience non-traditionally. I ended up writing a book uh, when I was 20 years old using, using some of the techniques. I got an endorsement from Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, who ended up coming on my show as a podcast guest uh, later on, which was kind of cool how that tied full circle. I also got a, a, a review from Aaron Kennedy, one of the, fa- the founder of Noodles and Company. Uh, so like that was kind of cool. It's like <laughs> I was able to just kind of pull this stuff off. And I studied abroad twice in college. So like, like lots of those things um, were really cool. And I had to figure out because, you know, financially it was, it was, you know, I had to figure it out. So like, I had to figure out how to pay for scholarships. So like all those like really, uh, random things in college were the most valuable for me. It was like having to figure out how to pay for scholarships, how to, you know, I paid for most of my studied abroad using scholarships. I, I, I worked on a startup company that epically failed in college. I wrote a book. So I was just experimenting with a bunch of stuff. And, um, I think all that non-traditional approach of leveraging the experience was really what made it unique for me. Yeah. You know, Brandy, your uh, your charisma, your poise, your uh, your drive is wildly palpable, um, well, and you. it's really it's 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 contagious. That's really cool to listen. Um, it's also uh, there. There are also points where I'm sure I'm sure you get this a lot, where a lot of people listen to you and be like. I was picking my nose my senior year of high school. <laughs> like that's like my biggest accomplishment was like being able to like burp the alphabet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like as far as like, I'm sure that you, uh, and if you don't let me know, but I'm sure that you get a lot that, uh, that your, your confidence and your drive um, and your ability to cope with failure um, came a lot earlier for you than many others. Is that something mm-hmm. that you hear a lot? Yeah. And thank you so much. That really that means a lot, but yeah, I have heard that. And it's, it's a double, it, it's kind of a weird thing. And it, it, it's kind of, 
it creates lots of loneliness. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I reflected on this the other day. I, I had a coaching session with someone that, that I, I paid a relationship coach and this kind of came up as a thing. It's just like, I've always felt kind of like a little bit like an alien, like mm -hmm. seriously, like I, I was really popular in high school. I was, I was, I mean, I was on homecoming court or whatever that the hell, the main, the main popularity. I yeah, was yeah. voted most likely to rule the world. <laughs> that was, that was my, that was my superlative. Great but, superlative. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, it was a good superlative, but I mean, like, I, I never felt like I could actually connect with someone like, cause I was always really interested in all this, like personal growth, self-development, like reading books when I was 12 years old. And so like, while I could connect with people, I, I still felt like nobody really, really understood me. And I still go through some of that today. And obviously I, I found a way to connect with some really high level people on the, on the show. Um, but that's been kind of the, the, the other side to that is, um, but, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's, it, it I, I always have felt the people I relate to the most and still to this day are double or triple my age. I'm 26 mm -hmm. now. And it's like, I, I, like, I, I, I relate a lot more with people that are in their forties, fifties, sixties, older, you know, it's just cause it's like, yeah. I don't know if I'm just an old man, but <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> how it is. Yeah. But I mean, fortunately you're, you're still, you're still in your youth. You are still being youthful. You're playing spike ball, right? It's not like you're sitting around with a, a tweed, <laughs> a tweed coat with arm patches holding the bubble pipe while we have this conversation in your leatherback chair. Um, right. Like, so, uh, but you know, I want I want to go in there because there was some some something really powerful you said. You mentioned a word called lonely. Now, I mean, loneliness has come up a lot lately, especially in the media with mental health um, and just just a lot of things that we are now more connected than we've ever been before, but we are also more lonely than we've mm. ever been before as a society. And and so I don't I don't skip over strong words like that. Oh yeah. Um, and and so uh, that's what I was curious about is. You know, uh, there's always there's always a, a dark side of like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm this confident, but I'm this confident because I'm trying to maybe overcome this or I'm sure. trying to, uh, you know, push down this narrative or I'm trying to, you know, whatever insecurity sometimes that we have about ourselves. Um, you know, that's where that's why when confidence becomes arrogance, that's specifically where we're like, mm -hmm. OK, what are you overcompensating for? I do Absolutely. not hear arrogance at all. And so please don't hear that, Brandon. Oh, I hear you. a cool, calm, collected uh, uh bright uh man um and so <clears throat> but i'm wondering you know what are some of those stories that you tell yourself on those days where you are a little bit stuck well here's here's where it came from and like i'm i'm an open book and i'm like i know you talk about authenticity and vulnerability but like let me just share and i'll i'll restrict some details and that kind of stuff but like i've i've had to let go of some friendships recently um mm -hmm. and like that's part of where i feel like some of the loneliness comes from is because like I, I, the people that I thought I was close with in college, like I realized that lots of my values still weren't aligned with them. Like, um, like for example, I had one friend that, uh, that, that he, I didn't, I didn't appreciate the way that he treated women. Like he was, he was a really, really good looking dude. And I, so I made some comment with him and I was like, Hey man, like I want to have a heart to heart and just let you know, like, I, I just don't, I, I my perspective and obviously it's you like you you do you but like my perspective is i, I feel like uh some of the way that you do this is isn't in something that i i value as a friend i just want to give you that honest feedback so we had that conversation and then for my bachelor party he took me to a strip club and i was like dude i that was not where i wanted to end up like i literally told you like i'm not i don't want to go to a strip club but i ended up at a strip club and like yeah. so there, there are a few of those a few of those friendships where i had to let go of and like and and like those were people that were i was close with in college and like 
it was it was cool. But like, I think that's lots of where uh, uh, I'm, I'm rebuilding and I'm learning some of those lessons early. I realize I'm learning them early, but like I'm, I'm very clear on my value set. Um, and so like I had to let some of those relationships go. And so now it's just been a matter of um, filling up some of that 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 um, that hole that was left. You know, obviously, once friendships are, are gone like that. But yeah, that's that's a little bit of where the most recent example of why it's why it's come up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's tough during that process. It's not just like, I'm going to hold my values. Y'all are out of here, right? That's not just a, 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 a flip of a switch. Right. Um, that is, that is a, a typically a journey and feel free to plug in your details in this. If I, if I get any of them wrong, um, but like typically that's a journey of like, is it me? Is it them? Is yeah. it this? Like what, like, you know, do I want to, uh, am I, uh, <clears throat> am I, what matters? Would I rather be respected or would I rather be liked? Uh, mm-hmm. Ideally both, but you know, if I had to choose, which one would I choose? Um, and, and so to hear you grappling with that, with some really close friends, that's powerful. You know, my, um, a few months before our wedding, my wife, Tina demoted her best man to just a regular, uh, a regular groomsman and probably would have demoted him further. But I think it just felt weird, but like, you know, because he just wasn't showing up the way that uh, a best friend should. Um, And it was really kind of shit in the bed in a lot of ways. Um, And it's, it sucks. Yeah, it does suck. And I, I had, I had see that it was more than one that, that happened to be at one time. Cause like I had another friend that was on my, my party and like he, sh- he showed up late for the wedding, told me the day before that he had to leave in the middle of the ceremony. And like, when it came time for dinner, he didn't even sit with us. And I'm like, dude, like I wanted you to be, I invited you to be standing next to me on one of the most important days of my life. And like, you're just going to tell me that some business deal is more important than not even sit with us on, on the day of my wedding. Like I, I can't be treated like that. Like, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. But like it, it, like we just, it's just, you know, so it, it's um, it, like exactly what Tina went through, you know, it's just like, it, it, there are these, there are these things, these lessons that you have to learn and yeah, it's rough, but uh, the rough conversations is really where you learn more about yourself. So I'm always grateful for those opportunities to figure out a little bit more about myself yeah. and, and how, how to operate in this world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, Brandon, I'm sorry that, that you went through that. That, that just sucks. Um, you know, we, we just want to believe the best in our friends. Yeah. Um, and it's, it sucks when they force us to re- write a new story. Um, uh, but, you know, and as I listen to you, I am impressed by your confidence, but I, I wonder if it's not, confidence that I'm impressed about. If I go deeper, I think maybe what I'm impressed by is your alignment, um, mm-hmm. your ability to be to, to, to your best of your knowledge from what you've seen, the individuals you've talked to and those that have impacted you and the life decisions you've made and the, uh, and, and the growth that you've experienced, the knowledge you've acquired, you've come up with this set of values. Um, and, and to be, not necessarily uncompromising, but a little definitely unwavering um, mm-hmm. on those values um, at uh, at this point is really cool. And it's not, I mean, it's not like you're a 14 year old, right? Like, you know, um, but, uh, but still like in your mid twenties, um, cause I believe that's where you are, correct? You're 26, 27, yeah. 26, 26. Yeah. Um, right. <clears throat> to, uh, to be this solid, that teaches me a lot about the quality of upbringing you had. Right. The yeah. fact that you were raised around values mm-hmm. um, and that values meant something to you. Right. We're going to travel and see our family. We're going to spend time. We're going to connect. We're going to, you know, do what's right for the business. You know, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, but then also developing them yourself um, 
to find that sort of values alignment is something that many people chase for a very long time. Um, and it is something that is very intimidating to people who don't have alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I often consider now uh, when, it, uh, you know, we as human beings are kind of like brick pillars where every single brick is different experiences that we've had. Um, and it is our, uh, it, it is our values. It is our mission. It is our, uh, you know, that kind of chutzpah inside of us. That is the mortar that holds those bricks together because mm-hmm. without that, without those values, without those morals, we're just a loose pile of manipulable bricks. But when we see someone being able to stand tall and in their strength, that lets me know that that mortar has dried a little bit more, mm. right? It's not to say that you are not manipulable, that you're not, like, you know, you're not hitting home runs every single time you're faced with a moral situation. Um, I don't, I don't want to put you up on some crazy pedestal right now, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just really cool to see and be present with as, as we're reading each other for the first time. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that process, not necessarily exactly where you are now, but that process of developing some of those morals and some of those values. Well, great. Fantastic question. And this is why I was so excited about this because I knew this would be an interview that I would never, I I can't give it. James is the only person in the world that can pull an interview like this. So this is really cool. Cause like (laughs) go listen to last 30 interviews that I've done. It's pretty much the same damn interview. You can listen to last one I did and you'll listen to all 30 of them. So this is, this is completely fresh here. But uh, so there's this process I've refined over the years. So I've been journaling since I was maybe 14 or 15, not consistently. Mm -hmm. I'd say I consistently started journaling when I was, uh, freshman in college um so it's been it's been a few years and my my process has evolved over the years and i think part of the way that i've been able to come up with my values and refine my values is that journaling process um so like right now the way i work is i work in two week sprints um so like i'm very clear about the work that i want to get done in two weeks and what i'm focused on but it's funny because it's like i'll I'll try to make this actionable and hopefully people can I, i can answer your question at the same time but like i'm i think by having really short intervals in which you are attempting at doing something figuring out what's worked and what hasn't worked it creates a an opportunity every single day for you to reflect on what's been going on and if you have a process like the one that I've refined over the years that works for me. Like I've found lots of other stuff and like, I've kind of just picked what works for me. Um, And I don't ever really share this, but like, for me, it's like, it's like two weeks at a time. Uh, I set something that I want to do. And then at the end of every two weeks, I review like what worked or what, what, what are the wins? What went well, what didn't go well and what I want to plan moving forward. Uh, So that's two weeks. And then on a daily basis, I journal on what happened during that day. Um, I don't usually go as in depth, but then at the end of the month, I do a month review of kind of like a cover letter of like the main things that have happened. And then at the end of the year, I do a, I I can read a year summary. And the cool thing is, and I know probably didn't teach that very clearly, but now that I've been doing this since uh, 20, well, this particular style of doing this since 2018, at the end of the day today, I will talk, I will paste, I will write the fact that I have, I was hanging out in the diner with James and I can see on this day, five years ago, what I was working on which is really cool when you have that perspective because you very you you very often get lost in the fact that you're doing stuff and you very forget how fast time moves until you take the time 
to stop and figure out what the hell has been going on. So I think that that constant refining process of every single day, I'm like journaling on what's going on every single two weeks, I'm figuring out what the hell happened. And then at the end of every month and at the end of every year, and then being able to see that across multiple years, um, it's like, unless you have something like that, where you're asking them, yourself those kinds of questions, it's kind of hard because like, you're just going to repeat it. But it's like, if I can see I've had the same problem a year ago that I'm still having it now, then I haven't adjusted enough the way that I need to. So hopefully that answers your question, but that's how I've kind of refined my, my values and what I'm figuring out over the years. Yeah. It's so interesting because values and morals feel like such a uh, head, heart, you know, kind of deep, uh, a deep process that we go through to define them. But you have come up with a way to make it very tangible and right in front of you where you're writing it down and you're right. Like you're almost, um, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the word externalizing, externalizing. Yeah. That's probably a good word. Um, yeah, let's stick with that one. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and you're also almost turning into math a little bit, um, right. Where it's becoming a little bit more of a, a science as opposed to a spiritual journey. Um, and, uh, because you're fact checking, you're going back and you're seeing, and you're, you know, right. Like there's, there's, there's some of that pieces now, some of those pieces, I should say. Yeah, there's uh, so I'm going to draw on two things that I've learned from two recent guests. I released this to the day we're recording this. I released an episode this past week that I, 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 I don't say this lightly, but I think it's one of the most important and best ones that I released. It was an episode with Mo Gao Dot. He's a former chief business officer of Google X. He wrote the book Solve for Happy. Um, and and one of the things that he talks about, because he's, he was an engineer at Google. And so he approached happiness from an engineering perspective. That I, maybe that's kind of where I was thinking about this from what you were talking about is like a heart happiness thing, but he applied it from, from engineering. But mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that he talks about that I think is so interesting, I've drawn a parallel between another guest is that he talks to his brain. He calls his brain Becky. <laughs> and like, it's like, it's like when Becky is saying something that is like kind of ridiculous, he's like, you know, what you, like what's going on, Becky? And like, he, he's externalized his brain. And yeah. so like, he has these conversations with it. And so there's a whole bunch there. But then another person I interviewed, Todd Herman, an elite performance expert, he works with people that are Olympians, NHL, NFL, like all these kinds of people. Um, he also has that, this is where I like to look at patterns. He also, when he talks about himself, he talks about himself from the third person. So if you listen to some of the things that I, he said on my interview with him, it's like, he was talking about Todd, Todd, like it'd be the same thing as me talking about Brandon. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when you take the time to view yourself as like someone else, as if you were kind of a little bit different, it creates an opportunity of space and distance between like it actually being you and something that you can actually kind of adjust and look at. So it is a fine line between you're right. Like there's lots of heart components. There's lots of things that are, that are difficult and tangible, but I think that if you can have some degree of externalization and some degree of a process to uh, handle some of those dialogues that are going on in your head, that's where lots of the magic happens. Yeah. Fascinating. You know, I, in my business, I've often been, uh, not often, uh, recently been given the feedback that I, I'm too close to it. Um, mm. And so, you know, you need to hire somebody uh, or bring in a coach or, you know, someone else that can just, that, that, is, that isn't in it with you uh, yep. to, to see what opportunities are there or uh, what things need to change, right? That, that phrase in business of sometimes you need to kill your darlings or kill your babies, I sometimes call it, which yeah. is a little too hard for me, um, <laughs> but, uh, but still, um, but yeah, sometimes you need to have some separation in order to be able to do that. I don't yeah. think I'm going to start talking to the third person, but if it's 
working for Todd, good for Todd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, there's another quote that I love. Uh, it, it's you can't read the label from inside the jar and everybody's mm -hmm. inside of a jar, right? So if you're sitting inside of a little pickle jar and there's the nutrition facts on the outside, you can't read the damn thing until someone tells you what the nutrition facts are. So it's mm -hmm. like everybody's living in their own little jar and it could be your business or whatever. And so that's where like you're working on, which is really cool. It's like you have, you have coaches, you have outside, outside feedback. Um, so if you don't want to talk about yourself in the third person, I think it's important that you have other people that can at least read the label that's on your jar. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as I came to this uh, right from counseling. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Brandon, that's, in, that's incredible. Um, thank you for sharing a little bit about that process. Uh, you know, in a lot of things that are not one thing that hurts a lot of relationships is when couples aren't necessarily aligned in their goal planning or in their mm. ambition. Uh, and, and a lot of times you hear that they're, they're not necessarily it's a way that relationships fail, uh, but a lot of times the relationships are hampered by someone having a ton of ambition and a ton of direction and someone else being like, I think I'm good. Right. I think I'm, I'm content. Right. And there's, there's beauty in the contentment. There's beauty in the ambition. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, for you and your wife, Leah, you know, what is, what does Leah think about all this? Is, is, is she in there? Is she, are you, do you have scheduled journaling time or like, all right, I'm going to sit down at the table, got to journal together. Or is she like watching friends reruns while you're over here journaling and masterminding? Like, you know, and I'm just curious, you know, what is, what does that relationship look like from an ambition angle? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I've had multiple, I was, I mean, Lee and I've been together for nine years. Uh, so this will be our uh, nine, nine year anniversary this year, been married for two, this will be our, and um, we have two dates because we got married in the middle of COVID. So it's like we have a date that's officially <laughs> happened and a year later when we actually got to like celebrate with everyone. But um, over the years, it's been cool to see our relationship develop and obviously we started we met in middle school started dating in high school and obviously your brain is ridiculously different in high school that is in college and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. my my high school and college brain was very much the I want to date someone that's super ambitious that that is going to take over the world like me and I want to find a little it's kind of stupid to say it but like I wanted another Brandon to date which sounds really narcissistic and, <laughs> and weird uh, but I think that's a little bit about like what my what my brain was looking for mm -hmm. um, and as I've grown it and I, there was some you know, screw ups that I made in our relationship with Leah, where it's like, I, I wasn't valuing her for how she chooses to grow and how she likes to do things. Um, because I thought that it should have been like, like me, right. And so as years have gone on, I've gotten this feedback from other people, it's like, your relationship with with uh, your significant other, like, it, obviously, there are some power couples that make it work. But oftentimes, it's the dynamic, it is the dichotomy of having two completely different personalities that actually does make it work. Uh, so Leah is the most supportive, most caring, most loving human that I know. And she listens to me talk about all this shit where even if, even if she doesn't fully understand it, <laughs> which is totally fine, but she grows and she grows, she grows in different ways. And this is something uh, going back to that, that session I had that with this, with this relationship coach earlier. Are you familiar with Tony Robbins six human needs or have you heard of them? I've heard of them. Yeah. But you could share, okay. you could share them on here though. I, I don't know all of them okay. by heart. I'm, I'm going to, so, but, but basically my number one need and maybe people can figure this out already is growth. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's growth followed by contribution. So um and and Leah's number one need is is love followed by contribution and all that kind of stuff. And so the the biggest thing for 
it literally came up on this test is that um, if you have a partner that doesn't share your, your growth, it's like, sometimes you look down, like you, you don't, you view them as uh, I forgot how it phrased it specifically, but it was something along the lines of like the fact that because Leah wasn't growing in the way that I want to grow um, that, that in sometimes that causes friction inside of a relationship, which mm -hmm. I think is very true because Leah does grow. She does, but she's not the one that's listening to, like a bajillion podcasts a week and, and reading four nonfiction books a week, or I don't read that fast. That, that was, that was, that was definitely hyperbole. Uh, like, but, but, but um, you know, it's like she, she, she grows in her faith. She grows by uh, you know, spending time with loved ones and she does it differently than I do. And so it's, it's um, Leah really grounds me and has that presence, but it's, it's, it's really just, it's been a journey to figure out what that, that, that relationship is like. And I think what my, the biggest thing I'll, I'll shut up after I say this, the biggest thing, the biggest aha that I've had recently is that this relationship coach that I talked to the other day, she was talking about different buckets of people, right? And like, you have your like right hand bucket. Those are the people that you can talk about all your, you can deepest, darkest secrets. This is stuff I never tell anyone. You have your left hand people that like you could talk to, but you don't really go deep with. And then like the seventh power people, which are like, she didn't describe it uh, generally. She described it for me. So I'll just describe it for me because I don't know how to describe it. Otherwise it's like, these are the people I can talk about entrepreneurship and growth and like, um, you know, all this other crazy deep stuff. And for a long time, I think what I was looking for was a right handed seventh power person. That was my spouse. But now mm -hmm. I realize Leah can just be my right hand person. And I don't necessarily need that growth conversation that I, I, I kept telling Leah, like, I want to have these diner talks conversations like I'm having with James and it's like Leah's not wired that way but it's the it's it's having that separation so long answer but it's been quite a journey of figuring out the different components of it and how to make sure it's weave, weaves together really well yeah yeah I love that brother you know I'm it's a place where you could see there potentially being tension um in a place where you just need to have conversations right and just put it like yeah. everybody everybody play in your relationships, we have to play with our cards face up. And uh, it sounds like you all are doing that. I also love yeah. you calling yourself out around growth and tying that to this. I love that you decided to get a relationship coach. Coaches, which are normally forward facing. Where are we going next? Where do we want to grow to, right? As opposed to a relationship counselor, which holds us where we are and causes yep. us to do some internal examination and maybe is it growth mindset, but is right. Like it's, uh, it's just fascinating that even, even in this area of life, you're like, I'm going to get a relationship coach, not a relationship counselor. Um, mm -hmm. And not to say that uh, one is better than the other. I hope you don't hear me saying that. It's just, it's just really cool. Uh, just, just how aligned you are. Where it's like, we need, where are we going? Um, right. Mm -hmm. Like we need to have measurable things for our relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool observation I made that I hope you don't. Well, thank mind. you. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, you know, Brandon, you have dedicated so much of your time. You're now, uh, we're actually right around the same amount of podcast episodes. Um, I think I have 87 dropping this week or next week mm. um, or something like that. And you're somewhere in the 80s as well. Um, yeah. And so, but your podcast, Seven Figure Millennials, speaks to your curiosity. You're wanting to know what makes other people get up in the morning and want to start something new, make a dent in the world um, and create opportunity for themselves and others and, uh, you know, let their ideas flourish uh, as, as entrepreneurs do. Um, and so you work with these, uh, have conversations with these six, seven, eight figure, nine figure millennials or millennial entrepreneurs. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering 
how much of that is uh how much of that is sinking in for you like how tell me a little bit about what you know what's what's going on with you after you have some of these really powerful conversations with these badass humans yeah well thank you for for asking and yeah let me i'll I'll just un i'll unpack just a little bit of it like i created the show not because i have the answers not because i'm the guru on the mountain not because i have a seven-figure business i'm still building my first seven-figure business but rather because i'm figuring this shit out (laughs) and i wanted to learn from really cool people and i just happen to have this badass skill set where i can connect with really high level people and learn from them um and and uh so i i try to pull on really diverse uh, groups of people and uh, lots of the people on my show. Uh, and I realize there's some mistakes in the positioning, but lots of people on my show, actually, the majority are probably not millennials. They're people that are way further down the path um, mm-hmm. that, that, that are sharing their wisdom and knowledge. And so I'll tell a little bit of context about the show. I, my senior year of college, I talking about my non-traditional leveraging of my college experience, I reached out to a really successful entrepreneur. His name was Jonathan Levy. And I basically pitched him free work. I, I don't have to go into the whole thing, but that, that, that turned into me running his marketing for three years. Um, and by the time I left, we had about 250,000 students in his online courses. Obviously, I was not responsible for all that. I was just on, I was on the team that was, I was part of that. But when I started, we had about 100,000. When I left, we had about 250,000. And I was kind of behind the scenes of all the launches and stuff like that. But Jonathan got in, involved with this high-level group called Genius Network. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Genius Network, it's a, you have to be a seven, eight or nine figure entrepreneur. You know, these are like game changing people. Jonathan spent years as an entrepreneur to get qualified to be in Genius Network. He goes to his first meeting and gives me a call and he says, hey, Brandon, you want to come to the next one? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm coming to the next one. <laughs> so like, I, 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 uh, so I got to go and represent Jonathan's company at, at Genius Network at age 22. So like wow. I, 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 I left my college, senior year of college at Whitewater, not left, but like, I, you know, I left from Whitewater to land in Arizona in a room with seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs and contribute and be a part of the conversation at 22. And one of the things that I realized was that you can have all the external success, all the money, and you can still have a shit show of a personal life. You can like literally hate yourself. Um, and like, that was just so intriguing to me and such a valuable lesson to learn at age 22 is that like, um, <laughs> lots of these people have built I mean, not, not obviously there's plenty of aligned people, but there's some people that like have built these incredibly successful businesses and it's been from a place of like wound or hurt or like, like they, they're trying to like make up for something is like kind of you talked about. So the, the question for my show when I left in May, 2020 was how can we prioritize our happiness, health and relationships while we make our entrepreneurial dreams a reality? And that was kind of the question that I asked it as, as the theme of the show. And so I draw on all these insights from all these different entrepreneurs and they're not necessarily entrepreneurs, but some thought leaders. Like I said, I had a former FBI hostage negotiate, uh, negotiation trainer on a few weeks ago. I had an NFL player on a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, what are the, what are the things that sunk in a few of the things that have come up going back to your question before I just answered all that other stuff that you didn't ask me, um, <laughs> was what well, what are some of the patterns um i think we've already talked about lots of it until you make the unconscious conscious it will control your life and you will call it fate I, that's the I, that's probably the number one pattern that i see mm-hmm. is like all these people have like like lots of us end up manifesting these lives or businesses that we don't like because they haven't done the work to figure out like what's been going on in the beginning so like lots of the work um is foundational stuff so like that's been really cool and psychological stuff and so that's maybe it's just because that's where i'm looking and i'm finding those patterns uh but that's been really cool the other huge pattern for more of an entrepreneurial side of things is uh 
I, I think it's a lot more effective. And this is where I'm focused on building my business right now. It's like, how do you build the back end of the business first rather than the front end of the business? If you look at like the traditional model of how businesses are built, like lots of people, especially this comes from my background of like um, working with Jonathan Levy and I, my brain just went 30 different places. So I'll explain it this way. Have you ever heard of the, the, the analogy of the antelope versus the field mice, James? I have not, no. Okay, so uh, a lion, if it wanted to, it could hunt field mice all day. But the problem is, is that the caloric value of chasing and hunting a field mice is not worth the amount of energy that a, a, a lion has to make to capture it. So the, at the end of the day, if a lion kept hunting and capturing field mice, it would starve to death. And most likely it's, it's pride or the, the other lions would die as well. Whereas if it spent its time, energy and effort chasing an antelope, even though it takes more energy to expend, the, the value of uh, antelope can feed the entire pride. And so this is kind of like this parallel that I've, I've drawn for entrepreneurship. It's like, there's so much entrepreneurship that's chasing field mice, right? Like you're, you're like, it's, it feels good to catch a field mouse. Like I got you, you fucker. Like I'm going to eat you, but like at the end of the day, you're going to die. And so like, that's what I kind of learned from being behind the scenes of superhuman Academy. This, this company I was at, not that we was still a successful business, but I just saw the model of what it's like to have 250,000 students. And the majority of those students were, um, you know, anywhere from $10 courses that they were taking to maybe a thousand dollar course. So it wasn't really anything ultra premium, but like this, the, the, the elegance and the simplicity, another commonality I've seen is like approaching the perspective of the antelope. Like what are the antelope? What are the biggest problems you can solve? Cause you can create a seven figure business by selling $10 courses, or you can sell it by, by selling $25,000 or 50,000 or even a hundred thousand dollar stuff. If you figure out what your value is um, mm -hmm. and it makes the business ridiculously more elegant and more simple. And so that's the way that I'm looking at designing things right now and that I'm building things. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's all about simplicity. It's, it, it really is at the end of the day, like being, having a simple model um, is some of the, the things that I respect the most about lots of the entrepreneurs that have come on. And so, yeah, I, lots of mindset stuff, but I'll let you tell me to shut up so we can go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> First off, you've said the word shut up three times. I have yep. never said it. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, what it's like to interview a guest that doesn't shut up. So that's just I'm, me. <laughs> you're good, brother. You're good. I appreciate you. Uh, <clears throat> no, that's, in, that's incredible. Um, I, I'd never heard the, uh, the, the antelope of the field mouse. No, I'm going to appreciate that. I can get that. Uh, and I'm definitely going to use that. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, and so, well, you know, you've, you've hinted at your business. What, what is the business you're growing or is it, are we not telling people yet? Oh no, we can, we can talk about that. Um, so I had just going again, just being crazy transparent and vulnerable. Like I, I was working on a business partner, uh, a, a business for a few years before, not a few years, but basically about three months after I started the podcast, which was November, 2020, I started working on a business with a partner and that ended up going south. So like, I won't share any, any details on that. Uh, but that was very unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but right now, what, what I've realized is that, or what I'm focused on right now is um, I've realized that for many podcasters, it's very, very hard to monetize a podcast. Um, and like, I know this from being behind the scenes of the, the podcast that for Jonathan Levy, we had over 4 million downloads. Even if you're getting 30,000 downloads a month, like he was, you get on sponsorships, it's a few hundred bucks, like, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, and, 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 uh, like just from talking to other people. And so this is the place that I'm playing in is B2B entrepreneurs 
that either have a podcast that isn't monetizing or want to start a podcast to monetize. And the whole thing and my whole approach, and it goes back to my why, is I believe that I want to create a more deeply connected world. I'm doing this in many senses of the word by just being a podcaster myself. But I, 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 when I say connected, it's connected in every sense of the word. It's, it's connecting with other people. It's connecting people with other resources. It's connecting um, deeper with myself, like I said before. But like, I believe that it just so happens that podcasting, I believe, is the best vehicle in which to do that. And so what I help people to do is to be laser strategic about the type of people that they want to bring on and build relationships with as guests on the show. There's this concept called, and those are, those are oftentimes the antelopes, but there are lots of other models out there where they will bring on a guest and then try to sell them something at the end of it. And it feels icky. It doesn't feel right. My approach is rather, how can I find humans that I want to love on that are doing incredible things in the world, give them a world-class interview, introduce them to other people. And if there's a way we can figure out a way to work together, then fantastic. Let's do that. If not, then I contributed to an awesome human. But I found that most podcasters aren't being strategic about who they're bringing on and intentional about creating that environment where you can bridge that gap between building a friendship and opening the door to a relationship that could turn into business and, and doing it in an authentic way. So like, that's what I'm helping people to do. Uh, I'm building out both a done for you service and a, a group coaching model that allow people to do that. So that's the focus right now. It's exciting, brother. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. I love it. I love uh, it. It's cool to hear, you know, it's cool to put the rubber to the road as far as, you know, you can hear your drive and your ambition and your goals and your values and stuff like that. But to, to see where you're pointing the ship right now is, uh, is awesome. And I wish you all the success. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, for sure. Brandon right now, the easiest way for people to, uh, to get into your atmosphere, um, is through your podcast, correct? Yes, absolutely. Can you, talk, can you talk a little bit about seven figure millennials? Yeah. So wherever you are listening to this, wherever James and I are up in your earlobes, you can type uh, seven figure millennials and figure out uh, another episode. I'm trying to think, I, maybe I'll give some specific recommendations for your listeners. Is that cool? James, instead of saying, just go check out the episode. Do you mind if I share about some ones? Whatever that, would, that Whatever you got to do, brother. Okay. Um, cause I, I, ironically, I didn't prepare for this. I have a number that you can text to, to, to figure it out, but I don't even have it memorized and it's not even sitting here. So I'll just do it a little bit differently, but, um, <laughs> let me, let me, let me point you to a few that have changed my life. Uh, one is the one that just came out and obviously when this is airing, it'll be different, but Mogao dot former chief business officer of Google X. Um, he, he, uh, his son passed away very unexpectedly. And that's what what created him to create this movement where his mission is create 1 billion people happy. Um, and so that is probably one of the coolest interviews that I've done. That one is really cool. Uh, another one I would highly recommend is Steve Sims. Uh, this is known as the guy that can make anything happen. He got someone married. He, he, he has a VIP concierge service where he helped his clients get married by the Pope in Rome. He sent people down to the Titanic. He closed down the academia in Florence to have a private dinner in front of David's Michelangelo and then had people serenaded by Andrea Borcelli literally can do all this crazy shit. And he kind of unpacks all that stuff. So that's Steve Sims. I did part one and part two with him. Uh, and then I'll just make one, one final one. I, th I think it would be really cool is uh, I had on uh, Michael Haig. Michael Haig was a Hollywood storytelling legend. So he worked with Will Smith on I am legend uh, and does all this story consulting and that kind of stuff. So uh, we reveal, and lots of this is storytelling. So if you want to be more effective at telling your stories, 
we unpack his framework and uh, he also gives me coaching on my stuff. So I spend a lot of time on my show. I, I prepare typically about five hours for each guest that comes on. And so for me, it's my spark notes. Like I'm going to go back and re-listen to all this and I'm asking really in-depth questions. So I interview horizontally rather than vertically as in it doesn't go uh, I mean, I, I do go deep, but like I, I cover a lot on lots of my shows. So, um, so yeah, uh, there's, there's a few episodes for your listeners that I think would be specifically relevant for them to check out. Love it, brother. That's amazing. Uh, shout out to your hustle, brother. Shout out to you yeah. as a human. Thanks for coming into my inbox and now into my world, Brandon. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you, James. This has been a blast. And thank you for the very unique opportunity to hang out in a diner via a podcast. I think you're probably the only person ever to make that happen. So my BLT sandwich was fantastic. My ketchup quality was great. Uh, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed your, your greasy dinner talk food as well. You know, you already know I did, my guy. You already know I did. Y'all, thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate you one last time. Y'all, that was my guest, Brandon Fong. What? and inspire inspiring inspiring man <laughs> uh i um it's 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 contagious to hang out with people that have goals that they are continually working on right i mean we talk about setting we talk about setting uh new year's resolutions and whatnot but there's also theories that we should be setting three month goals quarterly goals um and 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 following up on them he's doing it every two weeks imagine sitting down thinking about what you want to accomplish for the next two weeks. And then in two weeks realizing, did I do it? Did I not do it? Why? How much more could you get done? It's a fascinating concept of thinking about how do we attack our goals and what we actually want to do? Are we walking the walk? Or are we talking the talk out here? My friends, my guy, Brandon Fong is out here walking the walk inspiring. I'm feeling energized right now. I also now know I got to work for five hours before every podcast I have. I work for about five minutes, um, but either way, uh, we all get it done. And I really appreciate you hanging out with Brandon and I today. Until next time, my friends, do me a favor and keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Take care. Y'all, it was so much fun kicking it in the diner with you. And I would say our timing was right about perfect because I just finished the last few drops of my milkshake. <laughs> listen, y'all, you would do my self-esteem a huge favor. If wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could leave a rating, if you could subscribe, if you could leave a comment, a review, anything like that, that is how we get this podcast into more people's ears. And if you want to stay in touch with the podcast elsewhere, we are Diner Talks with James on Instagram. Pretty original, huh? I agree. Also, if you want to hang out with me just individually on more places, I am James T. Robo all over the internet. Y'all had a blast with you. I appreciate you. Take care and stay great.